and these flashing lights I don't think are ever really necessary for any kind of visual development but what is really important is going outside. This is the Curious Neuron Podcast, where we take a compassionate approach to science-based parenting. Join us as we break down the science of child development and parenting into digestible and applicable advice. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy, and I'm here with Marion, and we're chatting together for the first time in a long time. I know. How are you? <laughs> Hello, how are you? I haven't seen you and spoken to you in a while. <laughs> I know, I know. I miss doing these little, we used to do a bit of the after chat or whatever it was, but it's hard to get time to figure out like ways to chat together. I know like people are listening and saying, hey, why can't you just schedule a time together? But we each have three kids. <laughs> We're each doing some work and it's, you know, it's not easy. Behind the scenes, get busy really quickly. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad to chat with you and we're going to have a, a fun conversation about toys um, with the holidays. Well, by the time we publish this, I mean, Christmas Eve will be the day after and the holidays will be well on their way with, you know, uh, all the holidays happening and um, toys are on parents' minds. And maybe we can talk about the before holidays toys ideas and then the after holidays <laughs> when you have all those new toys <laughs> in your house. Yeah. Um, your, your kids are a little bit older than mine. Um, some of yours want <laughs> to. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder what it looks like in your home in terms of toys. At, at their age, are there still things and lots of toys coming into your home? Uh, yes and no. I've always, I'm, I'm not a big toy person. I've, I've kind of gotten there, but I don't buy a lot of toys. Uh, we have toys and we actually celebrate Hanukkah at our house. So we've gone, and this year Hanukkah was, was early. So we've gone through... Uh, the presents, and we will, we also do um, Christmas. So we do this this hybrid. And and what's I find really really nice about Hanukkah is we do something every day for eight days. Every day, I mean, traditionally it's not supposed to be about giving presents. It's you're lighting candles, and um, there are other there's other significance to the holiday. But over time. <laughs> There is this association of getting a gift every every day of the eight days. Some families do don't do it at all, and some people like go crazy. And we fit somewhere in between. This year we were home a lot, so we ended up doing a small gift every day. And as someone who didn't, I didn't grow up celebrating Hanukkah. So as someone who grew up with Christmas, with all the presents, you know, Christmas morning ripping everything open. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate this approach of like slowly, like having one gift, opening it, playing with it. And what I typically do is try to have some kind of gift that we can play with in, the, in that evening. And, and so I would almost recommend that to people is, is to like space out their gifts a little bit. And some of the gifts that, um, you know, like I'm thinking of, of a board game or something, we can give a board game and then maybe some other little, other tiny present, but the board game is really for the whole family and we can try and play it in, in that evening. So for the eight days, it's, it feels really nice if we try and have some kind of meal together and put time aside to play, I don't know, one game over the, over the eight days. And so the, I would, I would definitely recommend that for, for people over, over Christmas, if they 
have their Christmas morning and open up presents and then uh, maybe have one the night before or some lead up. Do you do anything like that? Do you open all your presents up on the first on Christmas morning or do you morning? Yeah, Yeah, we do the Christmas morning thing. But something that we do is there aren't any names on the gifts with our kids. And I don't know if that's weird, but, um, but it's because anything that we buy could be for either child it could be for a two-year-old or a four-year-old or a six-year-old so it's just a lot of games that we can all kind of play together and of course the two-year-old he'll sit with us he might not get all the concepts but like guess who he'll he'll be able to look for things that I guide him with or the simple games um you know uh what's the game of life like we'll play that with my two-year-old and again he'll move the token and then walk away and, and go get a snack or whatever it is but he he's able to kind of join us so um, board games could be for any child figurines could be for any child arts you know and crafts act could be for any of them so for us it's just a matter of like equally not making sure that there are enough like the equal amount for each child but they pick a box or any uh-huh. toy um you know gift that they want and they open it and it doesn't matter if it's uh, you know a doll or uh you know superhero it's for all three of them and that way they kind of I it's it's also helped with arguments I find between the kids and <laughs> um, we've been doing this for two years now and you know it's it's not that it's only theirs they understand that they received it but then they all sh- it sh- they share more easily I guess because of that so we've been doing that for two years and it's it's going well <laughs> um, but yeah besides that we open them all on, on uh, Christmas morning and then we'll see family Christmas Eve and some family on Christmas um, day um, so they get to open in different homes. But in our home, it's, it's all in one shot. But I like the idea of, of breaking it up. We were thinking about having them open a few like Christmas Eve. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I like that. What What is your favorite um, game that you have given your kids? And what I love that you, you spoke about how, you know, your two-year-old isn't going to play a board game, but that he sees you. It's a he or she. Cindy and I have been uh, friends yeah. now for almost two years and we've never met in yeah. person. I've never no. met her children. We live 20 minutes away from each other. Yeah, and I still don't know the names of her children. <laughs> All we do is it's talk true. about what are we going to film? It's because I always see the ages. It's true. I know. Uh, yeah, my two year old, he, um, he, yeah, he, okay, so he'll play with the token. He'll move a token and, you know, just one or two, you know, he can't count to like 10 or anything, but um, he'll, he'll participate. And I think it's important that they see that environment. We have a lot of board games in our home. Um, like the ones that we play with a lot, there's this for younger kids. It's called snug as a bug under a rug. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, then there's one called sneaky snacky squirrel. And he can play that as one as well, because you choose colors of acorns and then the little squirrels, you know, takes it from you and and so on. So there's lots of games that we play there. And then my husband is a, a, a board game fanatic he not fanatic but like what's the word (laughs) connoisseur I don't know Um, yeah very passionate about them and we have a lot of board games even board games for older kids and even if it's a game for eight or nine year olds we introduce them to our children very young and we'll kind of bring the concept down to something simple so there might not be those extra cards that give you extra powers or whatever it is but you might be able to move and understand a strategy behind the game and um yeah so my kids have played board games since we started around two yeah that's, uh yeah for all three that's that's really great i just mm-hmm. bought i'm just thinking of a, a board game that i bought that we're gonna open over christmas is risk 
Junior, which I hadn't seen. I haven't actually tried it, but I know. Yeah, did you? I I know that it's kind of a. I used to have fun playing that as a in my twenties. We went. That's a game that we could set up and and play, and it got pretty competitive. Yeah. You seen the Seinfeld where yeah. they like taking it on the metro? I think you know there's some oh, yeah. competitiveness in that game, and I, I it's definitely not at the level of a two or three or four year old. And mm-hmm. and so starting them with risk, I'm going to try Risk Junior and see how it goes. And mm. uh, I think. I think it's a it's a great um, thing to start with. Yeah, board games are a lot of fun, and like they could be for any age. For us, even like pretend play toys, and we're we're gonna get. Actually, we can start talking about it. I wanted to talk about like educational toys and educational apps. I've been doing that on Instagram, and people are curious about it. Some people had no idea. So that term, and I'm sure, you know, people listening agree that you everything is educational now it could be a singing bear that's educational or a random plate that's educational or an app is ed- everything is educational but toys are advertising and marketing their 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 items and their services if it's an app or whatever it is as educational and i think that as a consumer we need to educate ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> for the there's another word but we we have to understand that when it comes to research, there was a study in pediatrics, and I will link it on our website to this episode, um, that talks about educational actually meaning that it increases the interaction between the caregiver and the child. So that's educational, meaning that, you know, even if this random singing bear that you press the red button on their paw and they sing all the ABCs (laughs) for, and this is a toy that's educational for a (laughs) two-month-old, right? So it's not really at their age. It speaks fast. It lights up. You don't need that. I don't want to put that in a bad light. I want parents to understand that it's not educational because it sings ABCs, but if you pull out the batteries and it becomes a pretend play item and you're kind of talking to your child or you're saying, oh, you know, let's press this button together. You're increased. It's not about like just putting something in front of your child and saying it's educational and I can step away and they'll learn everything they need to learn. Educational is really when you're spending that time with your child. Um, And it's not to say that your child has to only have educational toys. If they like that singing bear and they get up and they Mm -hmm. dance and they're moving around, then keep it. It's fine. I had that singing Um, bear. (laughs) I had one where you press press one of the buttons. And yeah, I remember my daughter, she loved it. She'd press it and then she would dance. And and I have heard like you don't need the bells and whistles for toys. But I think that's great. Yeah. But if if you're all enjoying the toy and it is bringing the you and your child together that's that's mm-hmm. really all, the ultimate goal i think it's interesting exactly. um we started right off the bat talking about board games and oh yeah how <laughs> a parent who was like i don't like board games i don't want to play board mm. games i don't i never played them as an adult or a kid it's just not something i relate mm. to how important it is it for you to kind of force yourself to do something that you're not really enjoying would you say yeah, so the the Cindy wearing the hat of having read the research says it's really important. <laughs> but I don't want the I don't want the stress either because I am a parent and we don't need that extra stress. So, I mean, I would say find something, find one game that you enjoy. It doesn't matter if it's Risk or if it's Monopoly or Trouble. I I, I it's, it's under the tree. <laughs> There's the tr- <laughs> um, there, but but anything that is is fun for you because you have to also enjoy playtime with them, right? So. Find that one game and it doesn't matter if it's only that game, you could stick to that. But it a, a board game allows a child to want to interact with you and, and build that relationship with you. But it's also showing them 
to teaching them to wait for their turn and that's a skill and even with my kids at two years old I know that I said that I started young but I'm not saying that at two we sit them down and they're able to do it and they're following no my two-year-old he, he's going to be two and a half soon I mean of course there are days where we've set up you know Monopoly or the game of life and he walks all over it and we lose our pieces and everything it happens he's young however I've noticed now in the past couple of months since we've introduced what a board game is to him um, that he's able to sit down and then know that it's not his turn yet and that's all I want from him I don't want him to to collect the money and to move a, you know six spaces that's not the goal but just that aspect of sitting down and and waiting for your turn and respecting that the person is is, is doing whatever they have to do on their turn there's a lot of learning that goes around that and those are the skills that kids are going to bring into school and and into life and and are going to impact them and and yeah so i i do think they are important so you think board but, games are, um, are are some kind of these these games where we can start to learn about waiting for your turn and mm -hmm. you can start learning about different i guess uh what else is there there's wait, waiting for your turn strategies, strategies. yeah yeah uh i found that one of the best things if you're not into playing the game yourself is to give it to a grandparent this <laughs> is Last year for Christmas, I gave my mom the game Spot It. So it's, I don't know. Have you played oh, Spot yeah. It? There, are, there yes. are many different versions. You can, and essentially, yeah. it's this little disc card. And it has all these little different characters. And you each put down a, down the card. And the person, you have to try and spot which one is the same in the two cards. And I tell you, this is a really great game for a grandparent. And my son last year was four. So that age group was really great. It was great with my eight-year-old and even my 12-year-old, my 12-year-old and my four-year-old. So if I would, my advice for parents who might not want to play themselves and might find that they, they don't have the patience to sit with their four, their four-year-old or whatever, <laughs> kind of push it off to someone else, give it to your, to the grandparent, give it to another child, supervise them and, and get them playing because then you can also get a little uh, break. <laughs> That's a good Christmas gift too. Give that, give that as a gift to the, or you know, holiday gift to the the grandparents. Yes, <laughs> and then you say it's for you to play with your grandparents. Yeah, I, I love it because I this year I'm giving my mom uh, bingo, a, like a bingo game between kids and yeah. uh, grandparents. I love I think that. It's, it's a good, yeah, <laughs> good idea. And I like, I like. I think it's a great idea, actually. And I, even the game Spotted that you brought up, a game doesn't have to be complicated. You know, Spotted, um, a couple before pandemic, when we'd go out, um, I would have it in my bag because <laughs> I would bring it out of the restaurant and we can play with the kids. And um, Go Fish um, is a game that we have now. I, I just bought a, a Go Fish at the dollar store and they had like um, holiday and like reindeer and stuff on it. But, you know, it's it's very simple to kind of start doing it. A deck of cards is, is enough. You don't have to have an elaborate game and a bunch of games, but I, I love the point of bringing it with the grandparents too. Anybody could play and it's fun. It's really important for the kids and find, we you know, find a way. If one parent likes it more than the other, then that's their thing and that's okay. My husband plays a lot more board games with the kids um, and I'm more of the like, you know, playing pretend parent mm -hmm. and um, he's, you know, we do different things with our kids and it's okay if, if the part, you know, both parents enjoy different things. Okay. So now I have a question for you. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's non-pandemic and you're going out for dinner with your kids. What is in Cindy's, Dr. Cindy's Ooh. purse? <laughs> what are you, what are your <laughs> yeah. go-to so that you don't, there's, I have no judgment for people yeah. who are, are pulling out a phone in, in those circumstances, yeah. but what are some alternatives that you have in your purse just in case that um, if you want to go out and have a family meal at a restaurant and you want your kids, your three kids to have a little something to, to, to distract them? Yeah, I, I'm thinking back to the bag, like you said, pre-pandemic that's empty now and <laughs> doesn't have anything inside. But I did have like a child's school bag that I would bring with me to the restaurants or to people's houses and inside i know i had a pack of crayons and i had notebooks so that the kids could color lots of stickers i had three packs of play-doh so that the kids could play with it um if that's only grandpa like a house not at the at the restaurant but um i also had something that i had prepared in advance which was like a sheet of paper but a really small one and i had packed filled it up with stickers and this was for the doctor's office <laughs> and i laminated it so that it you know we could use it over and over again and I had a few of those and it was mixed with stickers. So I would pull one out and play I Spy with my kids so they could sit on me and that we could, you know, be distracted with something other than the phone. And I would say, where's the bear or where's the shark? And depending on the sticker, right? And that was a really fun one that we can play. I Spy is something that we've learned how to play together as a family with the kids whether we're on a bike ride and one of them isn't happy anymore, then we just start playing <laughs> play I Spy. And then, but they forget. <laughs> and then, or there's, um, we play I Spy in the car, going out for a walk. When we were at the doctor's office, we would play that too. Um, you know, uh, looking for items on the wall or toys or somebody wearing a red jacket or whatever it was. Um, but game is a huge part of our family, I think, that we've been doing, like incorporating this since we were young. So yeah, those types of things were in my purse and, and my bag. Um, and I'm coloring books. Those special sticker books, sometimes at the dollar store, they have like a Toy Story book that has a few coloring pages, but then stickers too. Mm -hmm. Those, I, I just, I empty the shelves when I see those because they're amazing. They're just so good. I'm looking at a bunch of them here too. Like I just put them all around my house and kids are able to access them whenever they want and play with them. And, you know, they're not expensive. Um, and, and a book, a book or two. I always have something that we can sit down together and, and read at wherever we are. Um, that's all I had. Nothing fancy, nothing, uh, you know, oh, a deck of cards. Yes, I had a deck of cards so we can play games with those too. And a deck of cards, I don't know. So my, my research was in like cognitive stuff. So we would have some games where, or for IQ and, and cognitive testing, where you would switch what the rule was. And you can do that. <laughs> I learned that. I brought that into my parenting where you can say like, okay, whenever you see a heart, put it here. And whenever you see a spade put it on this side so they're dividing 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 and then you do that for a little while and then you say okay now divide black and white uh, black and red and then all of a sudden they have to change and switch the rule <laughs> that's the scientist game in me but it's fun and it's simple you could do it with the deck of yeah cards. that's so great i could yeah. imagine doing that like on the airplane too yeah yeah oh and those um they look like an ipad or a tablet but it's it's with a special um pen and it just you can erase it with a button I don't know what they're called, like magic boards or something like that. Um, we have that too. That Those are fun because you can play um, tic-tac-toe on it. You can just draw something. Yeah. So those really easy things that you can carry around with you if anybody's leaving their homes <laughs> <laughs> these days. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and I, I, I think... I, I hope that parents understand that kids end up leading, you know, the playtime and they're in charge of... Not in charge, but... 
if there's a toy that's popular but they don't like it you don't have they don't have to have it but if they like simple things um you know it's that's okay and if they like things that you know aren't the ideal toy and they're going to be loud and in your home and knowing uh, and it's you know if they have one it's fine or a few i think when it comes to play we really have to be aware that children are going to guide us in terms of their interests and and we can join their world. That's the beautiful thing about play. Um, and toys are not the items that are going to support development. I think there's a, a lot of guilt around that. Some parents have emailed me saying, you know, there's a lot of wooden toys that are expensive, oh. but there's a lot of talk around wooden toys saying that those are the best ones for your children. They're, you know, safe and you can keep them for a long time and they're open-ended. Um, open-ended meaning meaning that there's a lot that we can do with it, right? It's not just the press of a button and it does something. Um, but I don't want parents to have guilt around that because, yes, wooden toys are fun and, and we have some too. What we've done, because we have three kids, we would ask for bigger toy, like more expensive things and that pa- family could pitch in together and buy one for all three. So we, we do have some of those wooden toys. Um, what, is your fav- your child- what is your favorite of all of them? The, um, so... I'm looking around because there's a few. There's Cindy is now recording from rooms. her playroom. Just <laughs> her playroom yeah. slash. Oh yeah, so I, I used to have it behind studio. me, but now <laughs> my super. Yeah, now we changed, and I have the staircase behind me. But so that's why I'm looking around. I have all the toys around me. First of all, Melissa and Doug is a really good company. We I keep buying their toys. Um, they're open ended. They're simple. They're they're fun. Kids, I keep rotating them into my kids' play space, and they love them. Um, I'm looking around and I have one that's more more expensive is called Grimm's Wooden Toys and it's I don't know if you've seen that rainbow yeah. um that wooden rainbow mm-hmm. yeah I have it um I have it but not just that it has like the rainbow but then there's like other parts where it's like a flat piece and a longer piece anyways my kids could build a really big tower and then they fill it up with their little animals and um, we have a lot of schleck animals which are we have like safari animals and forest animals really small ones from um i forget the company now safari limited um they're tiny they come in a tube at michael's and and we have a ton of those as well um so those are the types of and play-doh just about anything Mm play-doh and now this year what we gave our kids this summer uh, on their birthdays was like an art corner so i went to ikea and i bought a cart and everything before when they were young was hidden in containers like all the pens and the markers and the stickers was all put away but i realized that the more i take it like when i was taking it out and making it accessible to them they were able to independently go and get it and get it and 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 create some sort of arts and crafts um so yeah that's play to us and i'm looking around as i'm talking to you because play to us and i even have like these containers that have buttons and dominoes and and um these pebbles from edX education which are these rainbow pebbles everything is open-ended um animal figurines and toy story figurines right so they were into that movie last christmas and they got a lot of those too and as much as they like it i don't know if your kids do that too but they could be like into something like so much and then they play with it for a week and then they're done and you don't know what to do anymore but i really invite parents to hide it take the toy away i don't know if you've done this didn't you talk about a, a dollhouse or something yes right and so when something's out of sight out of mind and then it comes back and you know a couple weeks later it's the most magical, beautiful thing for them, right? It's like, where did this come yeah. from? And you're like, it's yours. You had you it. You hated it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you the story of my dollhouse because I think we were texting back and forth and I showed you what happened was I pulled out the dollhouse. It was in storage and I was going to give it to my friend who I was supposed to see. She has a younger um, kid. My kids are five, eight and 12. 
So I was just like, you know what? They're not really playing with it. I just, it's taking up a lot of space. I think a dollhouse is great, but for us, I, I felt like we were, we were past the dollhouse phase. Mm-hmm. And so I, I pack it up. I had these little figurines and then all of a sudden, obviously, <laughs> as I'm trying to move it out the door, no, we left the dollhouse. And they sat there and played with the dollhouse. <laughs> for like a good hour. And so I was like, you know what? Okay, we'll, we'll try and keep it out. It's in the middle of our living room now. It's probably gonna have to go back because they've stopped playing with it. But for <laughs> one of their presents, I bought them all those little, these little figurines, which I really, I think they're really cute. Calico, calico critters. Yeah, They have all these yeah. different little families. And Cindy and I were texting back and forth the pictures of them. So we both had given our kids calico critters. and. Yeah. Yes. They're so cute. And they like to, you know, they, they, you can dress them up and play different scenes. And uh, my eight-year-old, what she really, she just really liked decorating all the different rooms. And so we bought little mm. um, beds and uh, like a kitchen area and a uh, bathroom so area. And she said it all like she was playing designer. She didn't necessarily play, <laughs> well, she probably did a little bit, but she played with, with, um, brother and and they were playing but she really liked the the setting it up and and kind of stepping mm-hmm. stepping back and saying oh yeah this is a beautiful house <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's such you know yeah we so they don't know they're getting that yet but that's what i'm i'm giving them and again for me because they're three and very close in age we try to think of things that allow us to get all three to play together and the two-year-old is is good like when it's um, like the Toy Story figurines or animal figurines, he gets right into it with them with cars, playing with cars too. Um, and it was really hard this Christmas to think of what can we give them. We gave them the Toy Stories last year and the year before was the Schleck animals. And now we were like, what, what can we offer them, you know? And and I found those Caligo critters and I was like, wow, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm going to play with them. <laughs> and you know, you know, a parent had told me once, somebody who didn't really enjoy play with their young child, and they started buying things that were appealing to them, mm-hmm. those rainbow, wooden rainbows or something that looked good in their home and, and they felt comfortable with. And that's OK, too. You know, we, we if we first of all, we don't always have to play with them. I want parents to know that, that it's healthy to step back as well, but that there is a role in, in us being with them and connecting with them. And, and the more we do that. Um, and again, that doesn't have to be an hour or two, you know, 15, 20 minutes, then you notice that it's easier to step back when you ask them to go make dinner or do something around the home. Uh, when you invest that time into being with them, it's much easier to step back. Let's let's give a time to it. You you set something, you, you decide like, I want to go make dinner, but I want my kids to be mm. playing. I don't want to necessarily give them the iPad right now. I want them to try and and play. How long do you think you would typically play with your kid before you can kind of sneak off and, and they get into the play. Yeah, you know, it depends for me. Well, I'm home with them during the day, so I'm able to give those little bursts during the day as well of, of playtime and connection time. But if a parent is coming back home from work, then a child might need a little bit more. It depends on the child, but you'd be surprised. It doesn't have to be an hour. Like with my kids, a good 15, 20 minutes I've noticed um, of, of time with them and I can step back and say, I'm just going to go, you know, run a load of laundry or we'll have, I have a meeting and I'll be back in, in half an hour. Um, and they're okay with it versus having breakfast, um, having, let's say, let's say at breakfast, I would say you have breakfast and then you have a meeting right away. I've noticed that it doesn't work well because I haven't invested that time into sitting with them and really being present with them. 
so planning out, let's say, breakfast and then making sure I have 15, 20 minutes and then starting a meeting, that makes a really big difference in, in, in them allowing me to step back. Um, so I would say the same thing around dinner time. If you come back from, from, from work and you pick up your child from school or daycare, you know, start, test it out 10, 15 minutes. And if that's okay, then great. But if they need a bit more time, try to plan that with dinner if possible. I know sometimes it's not because by the time you get home, it is dinner time and they're hungry as well. Um, but, you know, if you can cut some vegetables, something raw, pieces of cheese, crackers, something that you can give them um, while you're playing together, and then you'll be able to make dinner after. Okay. I think that's a really good point. So let's talk about that a bit more. So you, because we both, have, we, we're similar in some ways and different in, in many other ways. You stay, mm-hmm. you've stayed home, decided to stay home with your kids, and you somehow managed to also work. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I, I work in a research lab and, and so I'm, I'm out of the house and my kids have all gone through daycare. And I found that when last year or the year before when, when we were forced home and the kids were home, how different it was compared to when they were in daycare. When they were in daycare, they were doing a lot of this play that I didn't even really appreciate. They were, they were, I go into their daycare and they, they were all divided in different age groups and it was totally age appropriate. Early childhood educators are amazing mm. most of the time. Yeah. Like they are, there, mm. there are definitely differences, but um, the ones that I have had the opportunity to, to work with and my kids have seen are just angels. <laughs> They're amazing. And they, <laughs> they, so when my kids were in daycare, they were doing all that. They had all the sensory play. They were building blocks. They were, you know, there were no screens during the day. And so it was very different when I picked them up and brought them home. Sure. I think it was, it's very important to have some, some one-on-one time with you and your child, but also maybe we don't need to be playing these same types of games because they've already played those games and they've already done a lot of that cognitive development in in daycare but when they were home during the pandemic that's when I realized that yeah I had to step up and I had to start implementing some of the things that they were doing in daycare like building blocks and pretend play and different games because all of a sudden it was now on on my shoulders to be the early childhood educator which I am not trained to be an early childhood (laughs) educator so I had to um, learn quickly and that's why I found you I found that you were giving really great advice on how we could start to do these things so if anyone is homeschooling more permanently or how many people have had to do this hybrid like my kids are in and out of school so they'll be home for a whole day and I'll, I have to think like yeah I, ha- I have some responsibility as a parent to try and and bring in some of the things they would be doing either in daycare or in, in school one thing I, I, I think a lot of um oh, sorry. I was just gonna say one thing that I really thought uh, was really helpful for me when I started um you know thinking about play in a different way and when I had my kid home kid home all day was this um, invitation to play. And so we had a bit of, we had toys, but I was like, you can't just tell your kids to go and go play with your toys. Uh, because it, a lot yeah, of the time it's it just like, work. what does that mean? They, they weren't used to playing at yeah. home with toys all the time. They were yeah. typically, we were out of the house a lot. And so can you tell us a little bit about invitation to play and what that means? Yeah, so my my playroom, my main play space is is in my living room. That's where they we usually are because at least it allows me to cook and do stuff. Um, and I could see them. It's an open um, concept. And for us, 
open-ended means uh, sorry invitation to play means let's say they're they're um toy story figurines if they're not all placed in a box because th there are a few there there are quite a few i don't leave them all in a box when i want them to when i rotate it into their play area i'll take uh, woody and buzz and rex or two or three or four of them and i'll place them standing up or sitting on the shelf so that when they wake up in the morning they see them there they know that i've done a toy rotation and it's inviting them it's not just like in a box a box is not cool <laughs> for a child right and they they usually from my experience they will take it and dump it upside down and then that starts the rage in me because <laughs> the, you know there's stuff all over the place and it's too much so even for us in terms of teaching them to put things away it's so much easier when there are just a few toys in their environment so we try to minimize what's in their environment not to say that there are days where i have a few meetings in the morning and i'll just take out everything <laughs> because i need my two-year-old to stay busy and the only way to keep him busy for a really long time is if you have lots of novelty in his area and he's like oh what's this bin let me toss it upside down oh what's that bin so i that it's like a an organized rage moment because i know I, I did it i created it on my own but <laughs> what i try to do is even something as simple as their doctor set um i have the melissa and doug one and it's great it comes with this little bag and it's filled with stuff but it's filled with stuff. It's just there's so many in, like items and they don't need all of that. So what I do is I take a little tray that I found at the dollar store and I'll place that onto their shelf in their play space and I'll put the stethoscope and a little bottle of medicine and the vaccine or whatever it is and um, the blood pressure cuff, something like that, just four or five things. And a teddy bear. And I'll place that. <laughs> and a teddy bear, yeah, or something. And sometimes real band-aids. Yeah. That oh, yeah. increases the playtime a lot. Um, increases the mess too, with the little pieces of paper all over the place. But it, 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 it helps them play. So yeah, I, instead of putting the bag of like the doctor set on the shelf, I, I take only a few items. Because I've noticed that they'll play with it more versus flipping it upside down and, and just kind of everything being scattered. And they'll play with two or three of the items in the bag. Um, it just it, it's more inviting to them it's easier to put away it's better for me to put away too if if you know bedtime comes around and, and there's they haven't cleaned up yet um it's just it's less overwhelming too i think as a parent to have less items in their home not to say like right now i'm speaking to you and i'm in our, my basement and this is where we store things so i see that like the shelf doesn't look inviting uh, it's not inviting to have full of containers filled with stuff for a child same think about like um I don't know if you're like this too, but like in the fridge, like old things are not inviting. Like leftovers are not, it's not cool. It's just not <laughs> as hungry as you could be at 10 p.m. at night and I open my fridge and it's boring. Like I'd rather have something cute, like a little, what is those, charcuterie <laughs> boards and make me one of those, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's versus, and it, you know, those boards are so inviting and versus like a container of like leftover food. It, it's just not fun. Same thing for kids and toys. Yeah. So that's the approach I have. So when you, you buy, you bought one of those little um, trays at the dollar store and then you would, yeah. you rotate different toys. And do you, would you rotate toys on the daily, the weekly, or how, how often is reasonable yeah, and often. <laughs> possible? <laughs> yeah, I think when they were younger, so when, before I had my third child, when I had a uh, maybe a one and a three-year-old, I would rotate it every two weeks. And and as I got my third child, then the time, <laughs> I didn't have as much time. But when you notice, I think as a rule of thumb, when you notice your kids really aren't playing with anything in their play space, 
um, and they're just constantly like asking you to come play with them and when you're trying to do something and you already did play with them and they don't they're not interested um, that's when at nighttime I would just like remove everything from their play space and again I just have like this Calax um, for like those cubes from Ikea mm-hmm. so it only has four cubes um, and so it's four different kinds of toys I might put the one bin of Legos in there and I might put a, a bin I'll use a bin for for those types of things like a bin of um, those magnetic tiles mm. and one puzzle one board game and some animal figurines you know all lined up or a few in a basket whatever it is but something that's a little bit more inviting than like uh, four cubes with four boxes filled with stuff inside I, I don't like doing that and yeah and I rotate need be you know I, I don't want parents to feel overwhelmed with like a certain formula for rotating it's it's basically when you notice your kids aren't playing with their toys anymore remove those put something new but try to hide as much as you can it really makes a difference okay and we've spoken a little bit about open-ended toys do you want to just go over that mm-hmm. a little bit more because i think that also in if i look at my toys that i've kept over the long haul it's the open-ended toys and things that um yeah but yeah, so you, why don't you tell us what, yeah. what are open-ended toys? <laughs> exactly. So they don't have that one purpose. So I think of like a, a track with a toy, a, a toy car that you press a button and then it, it throws the, the, you know, the toy car on the track and then it flies off and that's all it could do, right? So that's kind of like close-ended or a button that you press and then the toy entertains you and dances. That's it. That's all it does. Um, versus building blocks versus, you know, Legos, you can build whatever you want. Animal figurines, you can create whatever world you want with those animal figurines. They could be uh, in the Arctic, they could be in the safari, you decide. So anything that allows a child to kind of use their imagination and, and create a world and that's something that's limitless, right? So I, I don't know what else I have that's open-ended, but we as well, like a doll is open-ended, pretend play items, food, um, and and something I think that par- we don't realize as parents is no actually I think we do realize because we complain about it but we don't really realize kids will have lots of toys but end up playing with our things mm. right so that's the kind of thing I remember my my firstborn when she was around eighteen months she was walking around and she'd look for containers and empty my cupboards and use the pots and pans that were too heavy or my rubber spatula. And I, I I remember at that point, like I hadn't really realized all of this play stuff. And it was like, why? But your toys are there. I have all the nice toys and everything that you need is right there in your play space. Why are you coming to get my things? And I realized that our things are educational toys. Yeah. <laughs> if you use that term, right? Of um, So they want to mimic what we do. And if we give them a bowl and a wooden spoon and they're a baby and put a, a big Lego Duplo inside or a couple of them, they're going to stir that. It's going to make noise. They're going to be excited. We could pretend they're making a cake. They want to mimic what we do. Um, so something that I gave, I think on Instagram as a challenge a week or two ago was, I want you to try to include one or two things from your home, uh, in their play space. Mm. So whether it's a bowl or a whisk or an old purse that you have or an old wallet or whatever, make a bag too. They have so many zippers and little compartments. That's fun for even as an adult. <laughs> I think when I'm buying a purse, the more pockets it has, I'm like, Ooh, this one's a good one. Right. <laughs> right. Same thing for What kids. a great way to reuse your purses but <laughs> give your purse to your your true. your kid and then put in yeah. some of their favorite little toys and they will they will fill it up with stuff my two-year-old will play differently than my four and six-year-old but at two years old they love there's like these sort of um 
play schemas that they get into and they might be in this sort of schema or this world where they like to hide stuff you might find random things in your home um so having a bag that they can do that in and a zipper that they have that's a motor skill right like learning coordination to button something um so there's a lot of learning that happens as long as it's safe and it's not something that could come apart and little buttons that could come off um i i really a troll oh, those like serving trays that we put the dip in at the center mm. and, and then there's like the vegetables or crackers all around those trays i use them for um play-doh i'll put like one or two colors at the center and then i'll put some tools all around some googly eyes or whatever it is and i'll do the same thing with that tray for arts and crafts i'll cut paper in small pieces i don't give them the full piece of paper because it just creates lots of waste um so if you cut them in little squares then they can make mini cards for people or little activities like you limit you know what you give them they don't have to have everything but those serving trays and i'm looking now at like um uh i think that's a tea i, I found it at the dollar store it's a, a wooden or bamboo tray that's for tea bags so it's divided into six compartments my kids use that for pretend play i, I don't drink tea, <laughs> but i bought that because <laughs> it but they put like now what they did is as they're creating like cards for family members for the holidays they have like pom-poms in one section and they have stickers in another section and they have um pipe cleaners cut up in another so i use these trays so much items that we have around our house are are really fun for kids yeah so it's just as long as they're like okay for their age then go for it and how about messy play what's what are the rules are do you oh. let your kids have yeah. slime in the house because i i definitely yes. come across some play, play they're like no slime and i totally respect that i wish yeah. i, oh, <laughs> I yeah. wish i sometimes I wish i had that rule but I, we're yeah. a big slime family <laughs> yeah we're us too we i love slime <laughs> um i have a recipe that it i mean it, I, we stay at the table there's a rule right and, and the rule is you slime does not go anywhere else but this play table that we have um because or else it's gonna end up on clothes and we've had that happen before so there's a rule there are boundaries around the messy play the one thing though for me is i had a lot of messy play before when i had um to my firstborn when she was around two years old then i gave birth to my second child And I would have messy play with her because it kept her busy and it was a lot of fun and I could nurse my child and, and you know, take time with him. But then by the, by the time the third child came around, then <laughs> messy play was very limited in my yeah. house because it ended up being three kids, you know, playing messy play and it was just too overwhelming for me. Um, so I, I think, like you said, I think it's okay for parents to have their boundaries and their rules around that. And if you're not comfortable with it, it's okay. But if you can create some sort of small environment or small way to have messy play, if it's hot where you live, go outside, you know, rather than inside. Don't do it in your house. In your house. If you, uh, we always have like this big tablecloth from the dollar store, this, those plasticky mm -hmm. ones. Um, so they'll sit on that if you want to play it. And if you take the food or whatever it is, because I've done like um, cooked spaghetti as as like sensory play um dried beans we have that upstairs right now actually dried lentils mm -hmm. in in a sensory bin so my two-year-old likes to play with that um and that's easy to vacuum and to pick up with a you know a little dustpan and stuff so i don't mind that but i don't do the big stuff that i used to do with <laughs> like baking soda and vinegar that's like every once in a while because it always ends up being a disaster and it's three kids so three different trays to clean up and uh, yeah no. i think that's great i think people should think about that that it's you're kind of experimenting if if you mm. find that your stress levels are through the roof when things get messy <laughs> then messy play yeah. is not for you if you can no, change your mindset okay. that yes messy play is, is kind of a it's an important part of their development they're stimulating mm. their senses they're experimenting and you can kind of 
uh, work that into your your house, then good. But I, I would say there's lots of opportunities outside and other circumstances to be to mm-hmm. be stimulating those kind of um, areas. Yeah, I have a question for you. I heard something. Um, I was watching a toy. I don't want to name the toy store, but a certain <laughs> toy store. And they were advertising for the holidays. Uh, they had an Instagram live and they were advertising one of those singing bears that lights up. And I thought of you. I wanted to bring this up. They were saying that, you know, you want to stimulate stimulate the senses and that this toy was sensory because it was flashing all the colors of the rainbow and it was singing, you know, all the songs that your child needed to hear. And I thought of you, I'm like, I need to ask me. <laughs> you can't see my <laughs> face right me, now, but it's like a, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's a not good face. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. And I wanted to have this conversation because those toy companies and stores are using that and that's not the science behind it, right? So we've had this conversation, I think, a few many episodes ago where you spoke about walks outside. So can you talk a little bit about that so that parents have the education to make those those decisions? Yeah, absolutely. I think visual development is, is really the most important thing for early. And you know, when you're you're talking about zero to two or three or, or four, but we want to stimulate our senses more naturally. And these flashing lights, I don't think are ever really necessary for any kind of visual development. But Hmm. what is really important is going outside because you have really no understanding of how many different colors, how many different intensities of light and different types of light um, occurs outside. And it's something I hadn't really appreciated either, but our circadian rhythms, our, our natural daily cycles are really dependent on getting outside and getting natural sunlight. And so if you you can get this app where you can measure the the lux like the intensity of light and if you compare indoors versus outdoors there's there's a, a crazy <laughs> difference so they suggest yeah we should be getting at least one to three hours of natural sunlight and i think this starts off like as early as possible we should be getting our, our children outside and getting the natural sunlight so i would say for the for the flashing bear they may be (laughs) fun to play with but i would totally cross off the fact that they're stimulating any kind of visual uh, development that we need and and exactly yeah we should kind of avoid those flashing bright lights if if i mean as i wouldn't I, i don't know if i would say avoid because then you you get scared of it but just that it's not really that's not what they need for their development they need to get outside no, exactly. and see natural um stimulating sites yeah but it's like you said it has to be something natural and a flashing red light in your face is not natural especially if you're a newborn so it's not that it'll cause harm but it's not i, I want parents to know because i think toy companies tend to make it seem that our children might need their toys yeah. in order to develop properly um, and a child could have absolutely zero toys <laughs> in their device. Like, it's not about the toys, right? They're going to find stuff around the house. They're going to interact with us. They're going to read books. Um, so it's play that's important. Play is what will facilitate or support development of the brain, not the toy itself. Right. Um, and there's so, I think that's so many different ways to play without without any yeah. um, store-bought no. toy. Yeah. I, was, I always think back um, to my grandparents and like what would they have yeah, offered yeah. my parents mm. or what would my grandparents have been offered as a, as a kid you know like one toy and they played with that mm-hmm. and you can set up so much um imaginative and creative play with with so little and and there's a book i haven't read yet 
It's called Hunt Gather Parent.、Mm-hmm. It was recommended to me by a lot of parents, so I, I bought it, but I, I haven't gotten to it yet.、Um, but it talks about、um, cultures and how some cultures include their children in everything they, they do, you know, cooking, cleaning, outdoor work, indoor work,、mm-hmm. and that a child doesn't see it as a chore and a task. It's just you're spending time together as a family,、right. and it's actually a really beautiful thing. So, Thinking back to my grandmother was raised、um, on a farm in New Brunswick, Canada. Oh, yeah. And they were, I think, 17 kids. And basically, wait, what? Wait a minute. 17? 17. Yeah. Yeah, they were 17. <laughs> 16 think 17. And yeah, the, the girls would like sew and cook and make bread、yeah. and do whatever. And then the, the, the brothers were all outside with the dad and they were bringing in all the potatoes. It was a potato farm. That was actually, I think, sold to McCain later、mm-hmm. on. <laughs> so it was a really big potato farm.、Um, but just to say, like, I think we've lost a bit of that kind of thing within our homes when it comes to play and brain development with our kids. It's fun. A, a, a child, I don't like matching socks. I really hate socks. Hate is a strong word, but I, I really hate socks <laughs> because I never find the matching one. I don't know if we've, you and I have spoken about this before. It's just the hatred is very、yeah. deep for socks because I've literally had like a pack, a brand new pack of six socks that I put into the washing machine. And when it came out of the dryer into my basket, onto my bed, there was one missing. Like it doesn't make sense how socks disappear in this house.、Right. Um, but kids like sorting and, and it's a really fun skill. And、um, instead of always asking my kids to do something to, be, to stay busy, and while I do you know, chores, I'll include them as much as I can. Of course, there are moments where I need my time and they're, they're playing and they're comfortable playing, and I could step away and fold something.、Um, but I, I think as parents, if we try to always push them away when it's time to cook or wash dishes or, or clean a little bit, Um, we, realize, we forget that there's a lot of learning that happens when they're helping us. So,、uh, for, for me, I, I, you know, I think it's important that we kind of try to include them a little bit, wherever we can. Obviously, if they're young,、yeah. you know, there's, it's limited, but they actually really want to help. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's good for them in that sense. I,、mm, I would love to continue the conversation about outdoor play more. And I think we could、oh, have、yeah. a whole episode.、Yeah. Uh, I hear my children running in the house and screaming. So, like,、oh. there might be some background, but just one thing I want、yeah. to、um, encourage people to do is get more outdoor play. And、yeah. it's a whole different type of, of play. And the one thing that I think is important to remember is that we are stimulating these different senses that sometimes we're not even aware of. And one of them is the vestibular system. So, the vestibular system is really important for, for balance. And you'll know that if you step off the sidewalk, you'll, you'll feel it. You'll feel that. And if you're, you step off and you were not knowing that there was the edge of the sidewalk, you would know that there's a, a change. And so, this is something that's developing really early on in children. So, our senses are the first senses that are, our senses are the first, our senses are some of the first brain areas that are developing in children. And so, when we go outside or in our house, anywhere, we're, we're developing the vestibular system. And so, if we're running around in the park, we don't even realize that our kids are naturally learning how to, you know, to, to、um, find their way through the, Through the park, and they're, they're stimulating this vestibular system. They're getting their coordination, they're learning balance, they're learning all these different things that sometimes we're not even aware of. So get your kids outside because <laughs> there's, we could go on for like for a whole episode, and I think we will.、Mm. 
about all the different types of stimulation that we have when we're outside and controlling balance like walking along the the balance beam outside and going down the slide and swinging on the swings there's this activating systems that that need to be stimulated we need our kids running around i think people know that intuitively but you have to be a lot more intentional especially now that we're living in the city i don't have a backyard i have to you know take my kids outside where as my grandparents probably didn't they, we lived in the country they lived in the country so, and it was just like go outside and play we don't have that opportunity now if you're living in the city you can't just send your kids out and so you have to take them out and let them play in a park or wherever is safe and, but as a parent you don't have to be you could be you know there physically but i don't think parents should feel guilty by just letting them Play. We don't have to be watching their every moment. At the, let them, no. you know, stumble yeah. around in the park. And you know, I often bring my book and read, and so that I can or play on my phone, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> but these are true. these are opportunities for them to play outside. Yeah, and I think it's important that we realize that, like the stepping away, especially outdoors. I know it's harder here in Montreal, right? Getting colder, and the, the winter is coming, and and it's. I, I'm not a fan of the cold, as especially as I get older. I don't know why. Like it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't enjoy it. But when you're doing an activity or even just a walk and and certain things, I find it's more fun. But also just stepping back and knowing that your kids can play on their own too, and and that's fine. It, it's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think we should do an, an episode just on outdoor play itself because there's a lot there. Risky play too that we can talk about, and and like you said, the, the our systems that are developing that need that kind of play. Yeah. Um, and it's hard now being you know inside a lot and and trying to figure that out. With with me, we we've um, we found ways like we have a small couch, just like little IKEA couch that we move, and the kids when it's time, not every day, but when it's time, they can jump over it and and use it as an obstacle course and because we've noticed like it's important to kind of let that energy out too and, and let them move around yeah yeah we should never expect that our kids are sitting playing and doing puzzles all day long <laughs> like it's just no, not a, no, a reasonable no, no. expectation they they need to move around i think a lot more than yeah. we even realize and you know actually the fact that i love that you brought that up because a parent emailed me this week and asked she has a three-year-old and said that the three-year-old whatever game or toy that she buys and and offers the three-year-old she would never play with it that way so even if it was a board game she would take the little tokens out and then play with the tokens and not be interested in playing the game itself that's okay my response to this parent was that's perfect because if she's playing she's playing in her own world and she's creating something with the token the little tokens and the figurines that's okay and and especially at three years old like my two-year-old they're not going to follow rules to a game and they're not going to want to sit down for a long period of time their attention span is still developing in their concentration skills so if your child is not playing with it the right way but they're actually playing that's their world they're the masters that's okay step back and and observe or join their world or let them play and step back um that's an important point too can you remind us um, what the t- attention span yeah. of a of the different ages i remember you saying yeah so i've seen i haven't found like a really good study that gives like numbers but there was this sort of calculation that said it's about like let's say your child is two then you would add three to five minutes to that as a number right so two plus two to five so you're looking at like four to eight minutes for a two-year-old it's not a lot yeah um but some parents hearing that are like oh wait so okay my child is okay (laughs) yes they are you know (laughs) for sure like it's not reasonable for our even five-year-old to sit down and play a 45 minute board game like that's or a 45 minute meal and so keeping these expect i i 
was very happy to to learn about attention spans mm. and the development of mm. attention spans and and how we have a whole episode with Eliza Pressman oh, and yeah. we talked I about know, executive, executive functioning functions. and attention spans and she gave some really great mm. tips um, about mm. executive functioning and um, and how we can help develop it. It's not the same when we're talking about concentration. We are talking about sitting down and and coloring or putting a puzzle together or doing homework with an older child. It's not the same as playing a video game and watching TV. And maybe that'll be a good way for us to end this conversation about play. I'd love to bring up video games because um, you do have older kids. I'm curious. Um, we're not there yet. Um, we've just introduced our kids to apps this year. So this is the first time that we had apps in our home. Um, but they are an important part. So the concentration that happens there is very different mm-hmm. um, because they're using different attentional networks. But um is that how is that you know is what does your older child ask for they don't do they still ask for toys or is it video games now or what is the world (laughs) what is the world (laughs) like my oldest my oldest (laughs) she's uh 12 never played a lot of video games but it's funny today she did play we have super mario brothers the like really Mm -hmm. old school nintendo is it nes (laughs) so we have it up on the big screen and my husband uh plays plays with them so two things she started playing, she played a little bit, she plays here and there. She's never been that uh, into um, video games, but my son is five and he is really into this particular um, Super Mario Brothers. But that's because he, pl- he plays with my husband and they play um, off and on. Like sometimes they will play, which I would think a lot, and then other days they don't play at all. And my my yes. son has been in and out of school. He's in kindergarten for most of this year. It's it's been like hybrid mm-hmm. learning, and my husband. I'm, I'm lucky that my husband does work <laughs> from home, and has the flexibility. And so that's one way that I've seen them bond and they play. And yeah. uh, for me, that's it's been fine. We can do a whole episode on on video games and the effects mm-hmm. on the brain. I think everyone just has to really think about their own family situation, not get too stressed out about it. Because I think there are a lot of positives. And (laughs) for the moms listening, I would suggest if it really stresses you out to play with them. And my son (laughs) thinks it's absolutely hilarious when I try to play because I didn't play growing up. (laughs) I'm so bad. And he's telling me and he's teaching me, oh, mom, you have to you have to do this. He's (laughs) Yeah, this is what um, this character does. And this is what this one does. Oh, you're going to die. <laughs> so we have a whole conversation. It's like 10 minutes. And I'm like, I can't play anymore. <laughs> he keeps playing. And I'm sure he remembers uh, like different places or different pl- th- things that you have to do with your character. Like their memory, right? They have to remember where to go and which door to open or whatever it is oh, in these games. So for sure. There are learning opportunities. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's there are studies looking at hippocampus and... Um, mm-hmm navigation and there are different types of video games so i would say it's probably a whole month worth of um yeah <laughs> podcast and i would love yeah. to get some of the researchers who are doing it in the lab in and yeah. i think there are you know you're going to find some people who say don't ever let your kids play video games and then you're going to have others who say yeah it's really great it's actually i went to a study or to a seminar last year and they were talking about how great it is actually for older people to be playing these mm-hmm. some of these video games because it is stimulating your your hippocampus and your navigational system and so we should, maybe we should be playing more video games as we get older <laughs> again another conversation but uh, there are a lot of great researchers so i will um 
be on the hunt to (laughs) try and get them. I think we need to include that. And even just to end off the conversation, but when we spoke about educational toys, there are educational apps, right? In quotes. Um, And again, for parents, just be mindful of two things. One, advertising. There shouldn't be any advertising in those apps for kids. Um, There was a study that showed that when there's too many of these pop-ups while they're playing their in quote, you know, educational game, it's actually disrupting the flow of learning. So even if it's a really good app um, and they're just always trying to swipe up and get rid of that pop up, mm. then it's it's distracting to them. Um, and the second thing I wanted to talk about um, is is um, the motivation part. So you could have some apps that I don't know if you've ever seen any of these and it's not to name names. I want parents to just have the information and to you know, use this to um, assess their toy or their app. Um, but if it's an app where <laughs> there's a, a constant like ding, ding, ding mm-hmm. every time you get it right. And at the same time, I've seen some that like it's ding and like, good job, great job. Well done, ding. Mm-hmm. All of this. It's it's very overwhelming. But also there was a study and I'll, I'll post this on our website where they talked about the internal motivation system and the uh, the intrinsic and the ex- extrinsic motivations, right? So in intrinsic being... I want to do this because I'm having fun or um, in a video game or an app. It could be because you're gaining points or you want to move on to the next level. That's sort of an easier way to motivate a child to go to the next stage, gaining uh, like fruits that you can use later on for power, whatever it is, versus just hearing that ding and good job every single time that you just do something right. Yeah. Um, it's a bit too much on the external motivation part. Um, and again, it's it's not like a black or white thing. So it's not that it's super bad and your child will never be internally motivated, but you just want to be mindful of an app having too much of that yeah. um, and then look for something that's a bit less heavy. So have you come across an app that you like? I can... Yeah, I could. Yeah, that I don't mind talking about. Like I so I've been testing some recently because parents have been asking me like what to use. Um, I like the app called Pock Pock. Um, uh, it's P-O-K-P-O-K. Um, the reason why I like it is because it's open ended and I've never seen an open ended app before. So it kind of was easy for my kids. And just to give you to paint a picture of how they play. Uh, you can be in like um, a pretend play, like a, a house, and you can move the characters. There's a pie on the counter. You can take the pie, put it in the oven, and you take it out, and it's cooked, and you see the little flames, and it's hot. And if you put it back, you'll burn it. Yeah. <laughs> or if you take the tomatoes out of the fridge and put them in the oven, it burns. And and then you could throw them all into the fountain. So you can wash the laundry. That's just one part of the app. My kids will play that, and then they'll turn it off and they'll start playing whatever they were doing or they'll pretend that they're burning the tomatoes in their pretend kitchen Um, or they'll make different sounds and dance during the app like it's really simple it's it's calming there aren't any annoying sounds for parents Um, it's just for me that's been my favorite because it works well with all three kids and i'm comfortable with giving it to them um there's con con academy i think that we've tested Mm -hmm. out that i like as well um there's another app called wonder grade and it's this cutest little green monster and it gives you tools for your child to like breathe and calm Mm -hmm. down and one of them was like blowing out the candles um and my two-year-old has started doing that when he's getting nervous like remember what you learned with the little green monster and he's like and he's blowing out the candles and 
it's it's uh it's for like emotion regulation and there's a meditation part of it for kids it's really calming and and my kids have been enjoying that one we just got that one a couple weeks ago um so yeah there are lots of good apps out there that children could use we've been doing off and on duolingo have you ever tried duolingo i haven't tried it yet no yeah Yeah, so i've heard about it my kids go to english well they're bilingual schools and so they're learning french and english and uh, I find that we, we're not really getting enough French when they're not in school. So we try and do a little bit of Duolingo. And I would say it's great to complement some kind of, if you're getting some kind of language elsewhere. But I, I don't know, it's not it's not fantastic. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's good to know. I haven't tried yeah, it. Yeah, I, like, I, I like it, but there's like highs and lows. They they play with a little yeah. bit and I feel like they're at least hearing the, the languages, which I think is, is important mm-hmm. if you can't get it from from elsewhere so it's it's one one positive but i can tell you it is a slippery slippery slope and mm-hmm. it is very hard once you, there's no there's a, an app that might be fine but their attention span is two to or five to ten minutes and then it's like they're on they've yeah. they've gone to something else and so then it's this mm-hmm. constant struggle so i would say there's no need to have any of them. And if you can do push it off, push it off, I would I would try yeah. and, and push it off. And if you can bring coloring books to restaurants instead, you know, in the long term it's just easier for that's what I've found anyways. I've I found that the if you can push off introducing an iPad for distraction, even though there are probably great apps out there. It's, yeah. It's well we did too. Like I said, we just yeah. started it this year, this summer so my kids are two four and six we pushed it really far and and i'm happy because my kids are able to be bored and again you know we'll all do it differently and and that's okay but in my in our home like you know sitting in a waiting room we didn't have to have something i had that bag in case of emergency but my first go-to activity was just sitting there and and looking at people Mm -hmm. um and and watching people walk by and smiling at them and and you know that was pre-pandemic um but yeah we 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 did a lot of that and i think that it allowed them to have some tools that now when they're bored i i to be honest i don't think i've ever heard my kids say they're bored and and i'm home with them all day seven days a week um i think they they've had they've learned to kind of fill that space with pretend play or random toys or they'll ask me you know mommy can i grab some spatulas from your kitchen and i'll say okay sure go ahead and sometimes yes sometimes no because they want like the big cooking pans that are heavy and they're going to ruin the floor yeah but the you know but they're they're able to figure things out on their own and i think it's important that when we're talking about play that boredom is included in that because that will allow our children to learn too yeah we shouldn't get try not to get anxious if they're they have to sit no. for a period of time on an airplane or a bus or or a car i i i don't know about you but i've avoided giving any kind of devices in the car yeah, do i say car like a either. canadian probably car <laughs> What's the other way of saying car? I don't know. With less strong C. <laughs> okay. So a lot of these games, but yeah, uh, things that we do a lot of road trips, and I know a lot of people can bring devices, and it, it is easier in the in the short term. But we do a lot with music, so putting on different music, crazy music, things that they've never heard before, and then playing games like I Spy and. Mm. You know, but every family is uh, unique and people should yeah. just feel confident in when they're making these decisions that 
There are educational apps out there, but no, you don't need them. And there are devices exactly. if you get into that situation where you're in the waiting room for nine hours and <laughs> you need to well, pull out the different. device. Yeah. It, th these are, they're mm -hmm. fine, but we, you know, we don't have to always um, fall in them. Yeah. Nice way to end our yeah. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, I'm glad that we took this time to chat. We're going to have to have a follow-up once in a while <laughs> to reconnect because we don't even chat. I know. We don't even take the time to call each other and connect. I know, we're so busy, but we will. <laughs> Yeah. So if you are enjoying, actually, this is the last episode of 2021. So thank you to everyone for listening this season. We are halfway through season three. And I'd like to thank the Tannenbaum Open Science Institute, Institute at the Neuro for sponsoring and supporting the Curious Neuron podcast. Wait, well, yeah, let's, um, this is a, a big moment. <laughs> we got re yeah. we have funding again for the next uh, season. So there will be a season. Yes. Is it season four? for the no the remainder of season three okay, the remainder of <laughs> yeah, season, season three and that's exactly. really exciting you know, the, i work at the montreal neurological institute and they have a, uh, an initiative it's called the tenenbaum open science institute and through this institute they've they've funded um, partially funded supported the the podcast so that we can continue to uh, interview experts and to have these discussions and connect parents better with the with the research and help them become confident confident parents knowing that they're mm -hmm. they're parenting with some with some <laughs> purpose and that it's <laughs> it, there's some evidence research behind it exactly which is our goal right and um, if you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to leave a review and to rate it on iTunes. It's really important, actually, <laughs> that you leave a rating and a review. Yes, I would say um, if anyone could, a Christmas present, <laughs> Cindy and yeah, I, for us. would be to leave a review on wherever you listen to podcasts, because it does, it does really help. When we apply for funding, we're applying through um, usually applications, and we will, we can print out the, the reviews and say, this is how parents are impacted because and you can believe it or not, they don't necessarily know how this is reaching parents. And so it's the best feedback from parents as a, as a review. Yep. So yeah, I like that idea. Christmas gift to us. Please leave a rating and a review. <laughs> and you can follow us on Instagram as well. You can follow the Curious Neuron podcast. So um, at Curious Neuron podcast on Instagram, or you can follow Curious Neuron at Curious underscore Neuron. So if you want to make sure you're staying up to date with everything, with the information that I post during the day, with the information that Marion's posting too as well in the podcast, follow us on both the accounts. And if you want information um, and, and listen to other podcast episodes, you can listen on wherever you're listening to, but you can also visit our website at CuriousNeuron.com and uh, get, read some blog posts and see the, some of the past guests as well. Um, oh, where can yeah. they learn more about the play? You're not, you're not calling it a play, play camp. camp. You're, they... I changed the name. If you're really interested in understanding play, so part of that is scaffolding, um, something that we can have a whole episode about in, in terms of learning. It's like build, creating the little steps for your child to understand certain things about language or communication or emotion regulation skills. You can do all of that in play. Um, and I've created a, a program, uh, you can visit it on our website on curious at curious and I'll leave a link here. Um, it's called play and brain development. Now it's uh, a course that you can purchase and it gives you, uh, all the information in terms of how to set up a play space, everything from, it's not my opinion. It's, it's, uh, based on research. I literally found studies that talk about like minimizing the toys in the play area. Um, and then independent play, how to nurture that 
how can you use pretend play? Did you know that there are 16 types of play? 16? <laughs> like, yeah, 16. There's a study that outlines every single type of play. And even within play, pretend play, there's not just pretend play. There's like dramatic play. And then there's, I don't know, there's so many of them. Um, so I, I describe each of those types in one of the chapters of this course. And you get activities that you can do at home and you don't have to buy any toys. You can just take whatever you have at home. And there's well over 25 activities that you can do. How long, how long would it take a parent? Like, what's the time commitment here? So I, I would say there are six chapters to this and two videos. I would say you would take your time one chapter every two weeks so that you could take the time to integrate it into your play space and then test things out. There's scripts when it comes to the scaffolding chapter so that you can have the, you know, the printed PDF beside you and then start understanding what you can say to your child and then also learning when to step back. These are things that take time to learn. So I don't want parents to just throw everything and, and make it difficult on them. I want you to learn these so that you're comfortable with it. And then you could eventually put the PDF away. Um, and how much yeah, is it? So how much, how much, <laughs> how much is it? It's a big program. So it's $149 uh, on the website. However, those of you that are listening can use the coupon code podcast um, 25 and you will get 25% off um, for the next three weeks. I think it's such a great Christmas present and for yourself. And we talk about that a lot. We need to think about, <laughs> I know this is a present for yourself, for your kids in a sense, but I think it's really something that every parent can benefit from. If your kids are uh, babies or toddlers, I would, I would definitely recommend it. Zero to five. It's, it's zero to five there's no specific age because you're literally learning learning how to be with your child and how to use play to support their brain development so it's not about toys it's about play and you'll learn everything that you need to know in this program and that's it have a wonderful holiday marion and i look forward to chatting with you again we have lots we already have our january and february lineup ready that's ready to go so in the new year you guys will be learning about sensory um sensory difficulties and sensitivities in children. Oh yeah, and then we spoke with a researcher about theory of mind, and that's an interesting one. Uh, and then there'll be another episode about behavior and diet so, and, and, and food. So lots of good stuff coming up. And before I forget, we do have two winners for the Starbucks coffee. Thank you to M. Mardini 55 and Becky Richard um, for leaving a review and a rating for the podcast. You can email me at info at curiousneuron.com and I will send you your certificate. Thank you. All right. We will chat soon. Have a good day. Bye, everyone. Happy holidays. Yeah, you too. Bye. Happy holidays, everyone.